Welcome to the Gorilla Social Work Podcast, your crackerjack clinical insurgents pitting evidence against anecdotes. Hey there, listeners. I'm your host, Mace Warren, and with me as always is the indomitable Jeff Gingerosity Moore. We're the dynamic duo of forensic psychotherapy, bringing you the raw, unfiltered truth from the trenches of the criminal justice system. Today, we're driving headfirst into a topic that'll make you question everything you thought you knew. We're talking about the controversial documentary, Are All Men Pedophiles? by Jan Wilhelm Brewer. The film takes us on a wild ride through the twisted maze of pedophilia hysteria. Strap in and buckle up. Now we've got some burning questions to tackle. How did society arrive at this mind-boggling conclusion that all men are potential pedophiles? And what on earth are the political and social consequences of this madness? It's a real head-scratcher. Are men becoming the new victims of modern sexism, or is this surge of sexism somehow justified? We're about to break it down for you. Get ready for some heated discussions, explosive revelations, and a dash of our signature sarcastic humor. But remember, folks, we're here to examine the issues, not pass judgment. Let's keep it real. Today, our five-star rating is brought to you by Flexmatic 3000. Are you tired of putting in all the effort at the gym only to see minimal results? Well, introducing the revolutionary Flexmatic 3000. With the Flexmatic 3000, you can achieve massive Hulk-like biceps without breaking a sweat. Gone are the days of grueling workouts and discipline. The Flexmatic 3000 does all the work for you. Just strap it on, press the button, and watch as your biceps grow to draw-dropping proportions. You can even use it while you're watching your favorite TV shows or indulging in guilty pleasures. But wait, there's more! Order now and we'll throw in the Abs Master 2000 for free. Say goodbye to crunches and planks. The Ab Master 2000 will give you your six-pack abs while you binge watch your favorite series. So why wait? Visit our website at www.instabiceps.com and get ready to become the talk of the town. Flexmatic 3000, because who needs hard work when you can get impossible results? And I had the time of my life, bum, bum. and I never felt this way before. Bum. <laughs> Dude, that was a Swayze hit back in the day. Absolutely. Dude, did you uh, did you see that they're they're uh, that uh, they're the did you see the remake of that? No. God awful, dude. They're I, not. I kind of assumed. Yeah, they're not making many good remakes these days although i did see another <laughs> or new stuff yeah, yeah dude <laughs> i saw this i saw this preview on uh <clears throat> i think it was like apple tv or something like that and had idris elba and he was like uh he was on a plane right and um and uh he looks like he's some i don't know plain dude that uh, like a sky marshal or whatever the hell those things right. are called right and then and then while he's on there uh there's terrorists on the plane, which I was like, huh, this sounds a lot like passenger 57 with Wesley Snipes. And I looked <laughs> yeah. it up. I was like, Oh, is it the remake same exact movie. Yeah. <laughs> this one's called, this one's called hostage or hostile hijack. No, it's called hijack. I was like, Oh, okay. The plot twist is there's snakes on it. Though. 
It's passenger 57 yeah. with snakes. <laughs> 57 no, snakes on a no. plane. Man, he was a <laughs> <laughs> it's just stupid as hell. That's funny. Uh-oh, I better not uh, stop this guy. Dude, you got a workout coming up this weekend. Oh, yeah, I do, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah a little, yeah. little jog around the block. Yeah, I should be ready to rock and roll for it, though. I was... I was uh, when I got back from Disney World, I was a little. Um, I th- well, I don't. I don't think I got sick. I think it was just like changing in. Uh, I don't know elevation and just on a plane and getting out there. So I think my allergies were messing with me. So I was congested, but I'm good to go now. So were you worried about it? Thinking you're going to be all jammed up for the no, race? no. Because I mean, this is like you know, two weeks out. It's a good time to get sick, actually, because if you're going to get over it, oh. then you know you're over it by the sure. time by the time it gets started. So, so yeah, I should be. I mean, hopefully this isn't our last podcast, though. Yeah, dude, (laughs) I've told you. I've told you my prediction. I really hope it's not true. Oh, yeah. I already got past that, though, because I'm 41. So thank God. Yeah, Yeah, we're good. I beat I beat the odds. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I I think we're home free on on that front. (laughs) Good. I think we're good to go. Yeah. You need it. And John are going to going to tear it up. That's badass. Yeah. It should be pretty good, man. Yeah. Should be pretty good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So. Well, we should uh, we should kind of get into this. Let's jump guy, right in. I think yeah. so. Um, so today uh, we have a very provocative title for our podcast because I just I just titled it the same title as the documentary "Are All Men Ped- Pedophiles?" Which uh, my answer to that is I hope not. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we'll find out yeah. by the end of this podcast if that's the case or not. But Some legit um, clickbait. <laughs> so we tried to I think basically on the uh i don't want to call it a shit show but the last reaction video took us three podcasts to get through we can't do that this time so everybody's like damn so on this one um uh we what we did was we just took some clips they're they're roughly uh two or three minutes a pop so we'll pay attention to those um and one thing i would say on this is uh i in the intro i already introduced the um the the writer and developer of this of this documentary one thing i would say about this is um be what be mindful that that they have a pretty heavy accent right even and like some of the people that they're interviewing and certainly the narrator has an accent so um i don't think it interferes with the i mean i if it's a buyer beware type situation or or what but um yeah so we'll i will uh I'll do my best to get into each one of these and then, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of take a look at each one of them. So, um, but I thought we'd set the stage here with a, um, uh, I think what we'll do is let's look at, uh, the first, like the very first, um, uh, introduction to I, was, it. I was wondering if you're going to play that. That's yeah, a good yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. We'll go, f- we'll start there and move forward. The ominous music starting it up. Here's the damn thing about it. Being a pedophile. Oh wait, this is actually not where I wanted to start. I wanted to start right here. This is where I wanted to start with this girl talking to us. Studies have shown that teen sex is the most searched form of sex on the internet. But this is not surprising because the age at which you find other people attractive does not change. 
instead it expands. When we are young, we find children of our own age attractive. But as we grow older, children under the age of 18 do not become less attractive. But pedophiles also find children under the age of 18 attractive. So what is the difference between you and pedophiles? Okay, so, uh, uh. Okay, so the, um, the, the, um, I guess the, the main premise behind what she was just saying there, um, she kind of, she kind of specified that, um, you know, your people start finding each other sexually attractive around age 13 and, um, and that, uh, you know, that your, your, your attraction or your sexual attraction doesn't change over time. It expands. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of talk a little bit about that. Um, and that one of the things she highlighted too is teen sex is one of the, is, is the, the most searched, you know, search term when, when looking for pornography. Um, and so, uh, essentially like she's poses the question, sets this up for kind of what we're getting into. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, what do you think about that? Just that initial piece that your, your sexual attraction, doesn't change it expands over time i mean without getting into tmi i'm thinking to myself like remember when i first started to think girls were cute in my class and it was you know around you know early teenage years and i I, like i definitely wouldn't have found women my age right now at at 42 i wouldn't Mm -hmm. have found women my age attractive yeah and uh i certainly do now i was you know a, a client asked me a question about this one time and i didn't I didn't fully know how to answer it. And it was kind of a curious question and I'm maybe I'll, I'll kind of ask you. So he was asking, he said he lost his virginity around age 15. Right. And he, and, um, and he had sex with another 15 year old. Um, it was his girlfriend and, um, you know, so, you know, it's pretty common. I think if, if like guys are going to masturbate, they look back at previous sexual encounters, right? A highlight reel. Yeah. Kind of an ESPN highlight reel. And they look da, at da, that. Da, da, da. Yeah. So now he, he was charged with a crime, um, a sex crime, uh, when he was 19. So he had that one encounter and then he had a couple of other encounters. And then when he was 19, he, uh, I think he, um, had sex with, I think I believe a thirteen-year-old, and then he was charged. He was in prison, so essentially he had four sexual encounters um, over his entire lifespan, but before he came to prison, right? And so he was asking me. So now he's like twenty-three or twenty-four, and he was asking me, "Well, so what about like, uh, what about?" Um, for me, like not, not me, he's asking in, in his words, he said, well, so I'm 23 now and I have some fond memories of when I was hooking up with my girlfriend when I was 15, but she was 15 too. So when I masturbate to that, that's me as a 15 year old masturbating to another 15 year old is that deviant. And I was like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what to think about that. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I've had clients pose the same question and I've, he, I don't know if I'm right or wrong on this. Hear me out. I, I think intent matters in that, like, is it that she's 15 that he finds arousing or is it 
just the the visual or the memories or whatever the the heightened sexual state that he was in is that way he's finding arousing like is he he's like oh yeah she's a teenager and that's what he's if if, i think if it was if it was that if it was that he's masturbating to a fantasy and he's attracted because she's 15 that that could be a problem but if it's just a a fond memory is the good time at the time he doesn't have a very big bank of uh, materials to use, mm-hmm. and then I don't know. I I don't think that's as dangerous. Uh, yeah, de- definitely not. He was attracted to a fifteen-year-old. He was. It was definitely more so that he that he was uh, thinking of uh, thinking of the the interaction between him and her and how much he dug that and 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 whatnot. It was not. It had nothing to do with in, her. In that case, I would say that's probably pretty normal. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, I so and again, I think people listening to this, you may dis- disagree with some of these things. Um, and definitely uh, comment below if you guys have questions. You guys can hit us up on our on our uh, on our podcast, and we we'd like to do a mailbag every now and then, like <laughs> people sending things in, so we can respond directly to those, like people do. But we just don't have any of those. So, all right. So here's our first clip, and this is. Um, basically this is going to go over age of consent, uh, world worldwide, um, average lifespan birth rate, um, and kind of the, the importance of 16 years old being 16 years old in our, in our country has a whole lot to do with, um, age of consent. So let's, uh, let's take a peek at this and we'll go from there. There is no standard definition for pedophilia because the world cannot agree on one definition. The most confusing factor is the major difference in the legal age of consent. The minimum age at which a heterosexual person is considered legal for sexual acts varies from 9 years to 20 years. Some countries, such as Saudi Arabia and Umam, do not even have a legal age of consent. But to fully understand this, we need to go back to the beginning. We need to go back in time to the Stone Age. Life was not easy in the Stone Age. Yeah, no shit. The climate was harsh. People had to work hard to have food on the table. They had to hunt for wild animals, dangerous job. They had to gather their food, climb trees, to get nuts and seeds. Um, on top of that, there were all kinds of diseases that made the average lifespan of a human being in that period rather low, slightly over 30 years of age. Even worse, in the following period, the period between the Stone and the Bronze Age, the Neolithic, this period even dropped to as low as 20 years of age only. So, with this very short span of life, it means that early modern humans did not have the luxury, like we have today, to postpone having babies. And even though since the Stone Age, the life expectancy has more than doubled, Natural selection results in early reproduction because a young age is favorable to a healthy offspring. Anthropological studies conducted by Napoleon Chagnon on primitive societies suggest that the average man 
finds females around the age of 16 sexually the most attractive. Males have an instinctive preference for females who are at their early ages of sexual maturity. From an evolutionary point of view, this makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's a sweet a dance. I was going to say, come on, rhythm. Sexual access to a young virgin female <clears throat> can maximize his own reproductive potential. Okay. I can't dance much better than that, honestly. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so on this, um, the is that is that your timestamp? Yeah. There? Okay. So so um, you kind of thought this was kind of an important part about this, like ex explain to everybody kind of what's going on in that clip. Yeah. Sure. So well, first off, the maybe I'm an idiot. Very possible. But oh, well, that's it's confirmed. Almost but, certain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't until maybe a few years ago that I figured out kind of the. So I I, I used to think that you know when you're like you know the lifespan of the stone age was like 35 years old or whatever mm -hmm. i was i was thinking of it at like that you know that that's like a uh, that's considered like old age and that people didn't really live to be in their 50s 60s 70s it, that like 30 years old was where people died but really the the reason the birth rate it, it's a uh, infant mortality mm -hmm. and so you have a like terrible infant mortality rates and so but like so it's so it's not just uh we get to a certain age and we croak early it's it's more which bunch of babies that, dying that kind of makes sense like even even nowadays like there's with modern medicine like you'll get into the hospital and i mean with my kids i was amazed they gave them to me like after they were born i was like all the stuff you just did you trust me with that thing <laughs> like you're out of your mind yeah. me? you yeah. looked at me and uh but they but even even now, like with everything that we have and you're in a hospital with all the resources, people still die. You know what I mean? Not nearly as much as they were, but I mean, damn, people back then had to been croaking left and right, like parents and children. You oh, know? yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and like because of that, it's uh, it, it's adaptive to be able to reproduce sooner. And, and, you know, so like if you were of reproductive age. So, you know, 12, 13, 14, that, you know, it, it, during the course of your lifespan in the stone age, you, you're going to have a lot, there's going to be a lot of death. And so it, the, the reproduction, it was advantageous to start at a young age because, you know, by the time, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how many, I don't know. I don't know if anybody knows how many kids actually made it to adulthood out of those treacherous, um, infancy through toddler years, mm -hmm. but yeah, it was, it, so it would, it would make sense that we were like adapted to be attracted to yeah. sex at a young age and able to reproduce at a young age. So it wouldn't be like the Duggars, 19 kids and counting where, I mean, you just pumping them out. Like you, you would have it, of those, if you started say at age, I don't know, 16, like this is inferring, um, all the way until like the point where having babies wasn't feasible any longer. And let's say you did have 19 of those kids. I mean, I, I don't know what the statistics are, but to live. Yeah. Two of them make it to adulthood at that point. Well, yeah. So you would have to, it kind of turns into a get it while the getting's good. Right. Right. Cause yep. yeah. Ironic too, that the Duggars, one of those dudes is like a total pedophile. Did you watch that? No, no, I, I need to, isn't it's, it on prime? Yeah. It's pretty is it pretty wild. gnarly. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Way, way worse than you think. Super dark and everything yeah. too. Wow. Yeah. It's way worse than I thought. 
Well, yeah. So everybody check it out. The Duggars. It'll be very uplifting. <laughs> yeah. If if but to just tell you, man, I'm I'm a much better person than that dude. So yeah, well no that that does matter. So on a on an evolutionary standpoint. Now now clients will say that. They'll say to you, Well, uh evolutionarily we're wired for this. So, you know, I I was just born this way, baby. You know, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the approach. So for, for clinicians when, when that approach is taken, because they will also refer, they went back to the stone age for this, but they will also, well, in, you know, Greece and Roman times, you know, having a, having a, a, a child to have sex with was normal and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they will reference that, but on an evolutionary thing, like what's a counter to that? What's, because that's, that's one thing I think people would be interested um, because it's not necessarily an argument with clients, but it is useful when they're using their mental gymnastics to offer, you know, some replacement thoughts to them that can kind of work against some of these things. So what might you say to a client? You're, you're queuing up quite nicely. The very next clip. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's literally what they get into. Okay. And yeah. Play, let's play that and we'll jump right in because we'll, we'll, we'll answer your question. And then I also have a weird little hypothetical. I want to run by you. Okay. Yeah. Let's so, check her out. All right. Contain sexual activities with children. Christianity, Islam, and Judaism are no exception. Mary was at the age of 12 or 15 when she got her baby, Jesus Christ. Aisha was uh, married with the prophet uh, at six and consummated the marriage at nine. Furthermore, Bar Mitzvah is when Jewish boys turn 13 and are seen as men. Jewish girls have bat mitzvah. When they turn 12, they are seen as women. Looking back in history, one can see a sexual pattern. The average age of pregnancy was 13, and only in recent years has that age gone up, especially in Western society. Currently in Western society, the average age of pregnancy is between 21 and 23. Whoa, look at that incline. It's a longer clip. Mm-hmm. When I was uh, well, I thirteen, we might have this watched. is interview with a woman who has a relationship with an adult when she was thirteen, right? Yeah, I, we might even watch different versions of the. Yeah, play it. Let's Years see. old, I fell in love with a guy who was eighteen. It was love at first sight. Uh, he often came to my house because uh, he was a friend of my brother. Uh, They did some motorcycling and horse riding together. Uh, I start to like him more and more because he was uh, a bit older. Uh, He already works. Um, I used to visit uh, his parents uh, where we used to play uh, on the pinball machine. When I put my hands uh, on the button, he used to stand behind me, uh, place his hands over mine and guide me. Uh, he was uh, sweet, cool, uh, a little bit macho. Um, my whole family uh, approved this relationship, uh, except my dad. Uh, one day we were kissing in my room and my dad uh, find out. He began to shout get out of my house and never come back. My father, 
I went to the police to press charges against my boyfriend Willem uh, because I think that uh, he thought that what we did was wrong. I was a child and Willem was an adult and I think that that, that was pedophilia in his eyes. Despite everything, I still continued our relationship. Uh, one day there was uh, a party at Willem's uh, house. Uh, his parents invited me. Uh, my dad discovered that and uh, I went there and told uh, me to come home directly. So uh, I went home and I opened the door. And there was my uh, father. He was very, very angry. Uh, he had a knife in his hand. And he uh, threaded me. I was scared. And uh, I ran. I ran for my life. I was so scared. That I ran to my neighbor and called his parents. Uh, they came uh, to pick me up. And we went to the police. The next day, my uh, whole family decided uh, that Willem was never allowed to come to our house again. And despite of everything, I loved him. And I don't think that what we did was wrong or pedophilia. He Okay, that's your timestamp. Yeah, that's weird. We uh, <clears throat> this lady wasn't in the version I watched. I'm hmm. wondering if yeah. So, well, I don't know. We could should we stop and yeah. start all over? <laughs> uh, let's see now now play play here. Let's okay. Um, let's see this. And uh, consequently, also mm. finished at puberty somewhat later. Western society has chosen 18 as the legal age at which we become adults. Despite the fact that women usually reach maturity at age 16, the legal age for Western society is 18. This was an obvious choice because at 18, men reach maturity. To fully understand this choice, we must understand the evolutionary differences between men and women. Women have many requirements for their ideal man. One of the most valued requirements is that their ideal man Damn, is Damn, dude. Walking in those type of this shoes. This is not a superficial suck. choice. <laughs> Instead, this is actually a logical and instinctive decision. Back in the Stone Age, a simple law applied. Survival of the fittest. This meant that only the strongest humans survived. Women preferred men who were big and tall. Larger men could provide more food and better protection than smaller women. Natural selection favored bigger men. That is why most men are taller than women. But this extended growth came NSFWs. In order to become taller than women, men needed two years extra to grow taller. The extra energy put into growing also affected men's mental growth. Instead of becoming physically mature at age 16, Men are physically mature at age 18 and are also later in their mental maturity. Today, if you compare 16-year-old girls to boys, you will realize that 16-year-old girls 
are sexually and mentally far oh, more mature than 16-year-old boys. <laughs> Girls even start puberty earlier than boys and therefore usually have sex earlier. That is why girls are more likely to want older partners. Growing up, they realize that boys their own age lag behind in maturity and keep this mindset. That is why the average woman is younger than a male partner. Biologically, humans start experimenting with sexual intercourse in puberty. About this one usually begins around the age of 13. Perfect. However, Western society has pushed the legal age of sexual maturity several years beyond the physical age of sexual maturity and regard sex normal when humans reach the legal age of 18. This choice is not based on morals. Instead, this choice is mainly based on education. Western society is fortunate enough to offer most children an education. High school education usually ends at 18. That is why Western society does not favor underage sex because it interferes with education. Due to the increased education, the age of pregnancy has risen in recent years. But despite the high pregnancy age and the modern ways of thinking, Western society still has a deep fascination with underaged girls. There we go. And nowhere <clears throat> is this more visible than in the fashion industry and the media. Okay. Awesome. That's that's what I was wanting to get to. And so it it because we don't have the 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 need to reproduce at such a young age are we've we've adapted culturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, such that there's maybe higher ideals, things that can be, you know, like e- like education, you know, being able to expand a bit as a human being uh, rather than reproduce at a young age. And, and so it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like collectively we've decided that, you know, if, if, if childbearing can be offset until into the adult years, that the overall quality of the woman's life and maybe even therefore the child's life is going to be better because the, the, the foundation's a little stronger. The, mm-hmm. the woman is now a woman, not a, not a child. And, mm-hmm. and it maybe it's just overall healthier. In fact, we have the luxury. It's a luxury of uh, modern Western society that uh, reproduction can be put off a little bit to but, a little bit older. But in other words, like 18, as they were describing in that, like according to this guy is just kind of arbitrary. Just it's not really linked with a lot of development um, or maturity. It's just, it's which kind of makes sense. I mean, you, if you want a, uh, a functioning society, you want people who are contributing to that society. Right. And uh, finishing primary education would be essential for, for having contributing members to society. Like they, they have value. Uh, they're able to, to uh, show that value with the work that they're doing. And then they're able to receive value back because of the way everybody kind of benefits from that. If, I mean, if you have a bunch of dummies, you know, having kids all over the place, then and, and no offense against anybody who's had kid younger than I'm not calling you dummies. I'm saying dumb because you didn't get education. Um, and, and, uh, but that kind of makes sense in its own, in its own way. Um, yeah. and so the, 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 the adulthood number of 18, which I, I think some people have always thought it was a little arbitrary anyway, mm-hmm. like questions are always asked, well, wait a minute, I can die for my country when I'm 18, but I can't 
buy a six pack of beer, you know, mm-hmm. isn't that a little weird? I'm like, eh, yeah, this is a weird discrepancy. A or, or same thing with like cigarettes and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, I don't know if he has a point. I, I think that he's highlighting something that, that, you I th- know, I think it's what you're saying, dude, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's nothing magical about the age 18, but it, that does happen to align with, at least in the U S with the way our education system set up. And it, it benefits the culture, the society as a whole to have a more educated populace, uh, contributing and, and putting back. Mm-hmm. And so th- this is where. I like a weird thing I was thinking of actually just on the way down here. And so, you know, if we're recognizing that like the fit, like physical sexual development is like based on like evolved, you know, traits, you know, through natural selection and sexual selection, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of the idea being that, you know, like natural selection is, you know, the, an organism is more likely to survive and pass on its genes, the better it can adapt to the environment. And so the traits that make the organism survive are more likely to be passed down than the, the traits that get killed off because they're not adaptive. Mm-hmm. And, and so like a lot of, and then like sexual selection is a lot of the things that we find sexually attractive in each other, males and females, it was highlighting in the, using the the bright flashing lights that are strategically placed, you know, th- th- those types of things signal sexual, um, or I guess reproductive capacity. Right. Right. And, and so like we've evolved as an organism to reproduce at a young age, but then like evolution also works with culture and society mm-hmm. and that like some cultural norms, some values based on the environment are more adaptive and mm-hmm. therefore get passed on. Like the golden rule mm-hmm. is a trait that mm-hmm. seems to be pretty universally beneficial. The silver sure. rule, same thing. Sure. And, and so like, as of right now in the industrialized society that we're in, in the, the modern age, um, we like that we've, we've decided it's kind of become a, an, an idea, a concept that sex can wait until it's 18. We have that luxury and that's an adaptive trait, mm-hmm. uh, you know, educated people reproduce better living circumstances, more education, uh, t- technology progresses, society progresses. So here's the thing, man. I was thinking like with world war three, potentially on the, on the precipice. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. yeah. So I don't know. I, I think it might be an Einstein quote. Uh, probably again, I'll look dumb on this, but you said something like, I don't know what weapons World War Three will be fought with, but I know that World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we'll right? destroy ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I'm imagining like a Terminator 2, you know, when Skynet, go, Skynet goes live yeah. and it shows like this post-apocalyptic future. Yeah. So I mean, like, what if, dude, what if we're headed towards that? That happens, right? The power grid gets wiped out. Internet goes down. All, all of our data is lost. That like everything goes completely dark ages and mm-hmm. like taken over by chat GPT. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> chat GPT goes live. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that. yeah. So he, th- this is what I was thinking is like, if you and I are still alive, like we're still going to hold that same value that like, Oh yeah. 18 is a good age of consent. Even though the world's crumbled, it's like, yeah, that's still an age of consent. But 
How long? That will end up not being an adaptive trait. That won't be adaptive to have that value anymore. And I, this is what I wonder is if, so if, if the environment changes, mm-hmm. would then the values shift back to what they were for the most of human civilization? Would, would the age of consent drop if, if technology is wiped and it becomes yeah. adaptive to reproduce? Well, of course, because then, then, uh, you know, uh, you, you along with that, you'd see a dramatic downturn in the population of the of the world at that point, Big and time. then and then the natural uh, drive to survive and procreate would would kick in. I'd say in the meantime, though, you would see a, a total abandon abandonment of morals. Um, like, have you ever seen that movie, The Road? No. With uh, I've seen Mad Max. It's close, not really though. But like, it, it's basically I can't remember the. Uh, being wait no no not being rames um vigo mortensen uh vigo mortensen yeah Vin Di- <laughs> well both those guys are in it too <laughs> cool. yeah it's vigo mortensen it, it, no it's ving rames playing vigo mortensen as vin diesel he's <laughs> an amazing the best actor. actor ever <laughs> he's an amazing actor you can imitate how an actor is, is <laughs> looks yeah <laughs> so so anyway uh basically the world ends they don't really tell you why the world ends it's kind of um ambiguous but it's irrelevant but they they uh it's him and his son and his son's really young and um he's he he knows he's dying the entire time uh, you know but um he's protecting his son and everybody is maniacs like he, he talks about his son his son's super young and he talks about like well you know there's, there's like dudes walking the street marauders with guns you know or whatever and the whole place is trashed you know so mm. there's obviously like bombs that have gone off and everything and you know he, at one point he talks to his son and says you know, if, if I don't kill them, then they'll kill me and then they'll take you and rape you and then eventually kill you, you know, all this other stuff, which is totally true. I, I think you'd see an immediate like once once all bets were off, like you'd see people turn into animals. You know, I think that would be the immediate piece of it. So, yeah. yes, very quickly, you'd see an abandonment of morals. There'd be some of us like you and I will ideally because we're so virtuous. Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, we would be up trying to uphold that we'd get killed. But um, <laughs> yeah. but eventually you know it would and and then it would turn into after a very long period of time yes hey everybody we can't keep going like this because we're all going to be dead why don't we you know establish some rules and some people who you know that which is kind of how everything developed in the first yeah. place but i think at base level though one thing this is is like you look at this and say well yeah if <laughs> i think somebody was looking at this that you can and i've talked about this before think about like um You've worked with both male and female clients, right? Mm-hmm. And you dig females, yeah? Sure. Okay. And have you have you worked with uh, female clients that are attractive? Yes. Okay. And it's not as if you develop a relationship with them, right? Right. So I, see, I think to simply acknowledge somebody that's attractive doesn't necessarily mean now you're going to go into an area where it's going to get inappropriate or unprofessional. You just simply acknowledge that person's attractive, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can acknowledge Mila Kunis is attractive, but also realize I don't have a chance in hell yeah. ever. Right? And you could probably control yourself when you're around her. Maybe if- not. But, uh, <laughs> but, but now, now look, it's, I don't tell myself a story that, Oh, my client's attractive and I don't have a chance in hell. That's not what I tell myself. I just say, "Eh, it's inappropriate. And if my, if my career means anything or my, or my, uh, integrity, right. Or, or my profession means anything that that's something that you ought to not do. Okay. 
But then, but then also, I think that same rule applies to, according to this, that once a girl turns 16 and now she's, she's developed and the, the parts of her body that are signaling to who, to men who would be interested in her, like that, that now she's capable of reproducing. If you were to find that attractive, it doesn't make you a creep. It doesn't now make you a pedophile. Mm -hmm. It's simply Mm -hmm. your biology linking with that biology saying, well, so that seems like that would be appropriate now we all know that that's inappropriate legally right and and we can have some morals around that which morals you know are, are kind of relative to the individual and they can just say well yeah yeah i mean yes that's an attractive person but she's 16 so i'm not going to engage in that behavior i think I, I think for people like uh you know i had one guy who's like, oh no i would never think a 16 year old's attractive i'm like really dude like that doesn't make any sense and and i showed him of course, that you showed picture. him his PSI. Yeah, I showed him. His P- no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? Well, I, I, of course, yeah. But then I showed him. Uh, there was a picture of that. Uh, I don't know if you remember a long time ago. She was sixteen, and she she hooked up with a dude from Lost. He was some. Uh, she was really young, but dude, she looked in her mid twenties. You know mm-hmm. the way she made herself up, and he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, she's hot. And I'm like, dude, that girl's sixteen right there. He's like, that she's tricking me. And I'm like, no, 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 dude, it, it tricking. <laughs> I was like, no, these things, according to this, and I think what we have is pretty good research to say that that's relatively normal to show that. Yeah, absolutely. So now there's a there's a problem with this because in this next clip, one of the things that that you're putting on here is that popular culture culture kind of sexualizes 16 year olds. Yeah. Um, and uh, when you look at like our developed country compared to traditional cultures, and then we talk about lollycon, you know, um, but so let's get into this next clip. I, I, I bet the time's off on it. I fast I, forward a little bit. Okay. Is this kind of where, let's see. Scent of teenagers admit to sending naked photos of themselves to other teens. I was around 11 when I started thinking about sex. Uh, and teens and preteens are engaging in sexual behavior at much earlier ages. What? Uh, between the age of five and seven years. I was seven years old. The age of uh, eight. Was eight or nine years old. At the age of 11. At the age of 11. About 12, 13 years. I was 11 or 12 when I first started thinking about sex. Well, I guess all the, you know, everybody gasps when they hear the 13-year-olds say they're having sex with the 12-year-olds. But I, I guess we have removed ourselves from what the world was like when we were coming up. At age 16, most girls are physically mature. However, that does not mean that they're mentally ready to have sex. And of course, all sex should be consensual. Child sexuality is very prominent in Western media. A kid's such a yeah, creep. The age yeah. of 16 is embedded in our society. That guy's a creep too. Yeah, Look at yeah. him. At that age, God. every man knows that more subtle, are bro. sexually mature. We do not need biology to tell us that 16-year-olds are portrayed in the media as sexual beings. Just look at MTV, 16 and Pregnant, Teen Moms, or My Super Sweet 16, or the fact that the average age of a fashion model is 16. Western society considers this behavior normal. If a girl wants to start her high-fashion modeling career at age 19, I think that's a little bit too old for most modeling agencies. That's wild. That's crazy. However, not every culture has adopted the Western views on child sexuality. Traditional cultures, which have had very little contact with Western ideology, still marry and bear children in early puberty. There are 
also many modern societies that differ from the West. In Japanese society, the attraction to young teenage girls is a widespread cultural phenomenon. The term describes an attraction to underage girls or individuals with such an attraction. Nolikon is very popular in Japanese media and fashion. Outside Japan, lolicon mainly refers to a genre of Japanese comics and animations that depict girls sexually. What makes lolicon so controversial are the art forms, anime and manga. Lolicon art has no actual age, just like Tinkerbell? the characters Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. Nobody knows their real age. The attraction to children can be found in many societies, but there is a limit. That's good there. There is no society in the world that encourages sex with children. Okay. God, you, you and I had a client in common that was quite into Sailor Moon. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. yeah, yep. And yeah, that, so yeah, that there is kind of a, I don't know, a, a mixed message right mm -hmm. there that we just kind of pointed out. You know, I, we just got through talking about the value of 18, mm -hmm. arbitrary as it is. And then, I mean, it, so I was a junior in high school when Hit Me Baby One More Time came out. And I mean, I fell in love with Britney. Oh, yeah. And, Who didn't? Right. Have you noticed one thing about Britney, too? Like anybody who's a big fan of her always says Britney is back. And I'm like, well, I don't know where she went. Yeah, she's been around. But but, I, <laughs> but but then like three years later, oh, Britney's back. I'm like, well, how many times can you yeah, leave yeah, and yeah. come back? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and I just don't hear that with other artists. Like, Britney's back, bitch. I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got to add bitch to I was it, like, don't I, you? Yeah, I was like, Britney, bitch. I didn't know, <laughs> I, I didn't know she left, yeah. but okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, that was a, man, that was a sweet video. That and uh, Genie in a Bottle. A Christina Aguilera. Come on, son. Really remember that Ma Maxim magazine? Yeah. I like, remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah that was that was the... And the, They were young. That They had to be in their like, the, late teens at that point, they, right? They were, yeah. That, yeah. That, those girls are our age. Yeah. But like... Very the, sexualized in, in that time. Dudes our age now liked them. Oh, that, for sure. That, for sure. So, like, I guess, I guess, I mean, and this is something that I think our clients point out mm -hmm. is kind of this you know it's it's like endorsed but kept secret and then kind of a push pull push pull with the messaging that mm -hmm. we send and i mean that is that is accurate and i guess it just means that finding that the i don't know is the is the is the message to find a higher moral virtue in understanding that okay although she's a genie in a bottle and is saying to rubber the right way that maybe I abstain from doing so, you know, no, I, I, I <laughs> what think, do you say? Well, uh, there's a pretty good quote on, on morals and we went over it in morals dilemma. I don't, I don't have the quote sitting in front of me, but it's, it's something to the effect of morals is more about conformity than it is about like virtue. Um, meaning that, that, well, okay, so I can have my individual morals. Um, but, but also there's going to be laws and my conformity to those laws really will kind of dictate freedoms in my life. And so what I, what I think it boils down to is uh, not, not so much morals, but values, what I find to be important. Right. Um, because yes, it, it, if you were recognized, if say 
you know, a value. I don't know what the value would be. Maybe just, uh, you know, sexual pleasure. That can be a value. Sure. I find that to be very important, right? Somebody might find that to be very important. Okay. Um, but then where does that value rank? Right. Does that value rank above your freedom? Sure. And, and if that value ranks above your freedom, well then in your mind, well then, yeah, you probably will act on that at the potential expense of your freedom, provided that you were, you were exposed and otherwise arrested and prosecuted and convicted and so on and so forth. But, um, I I think most of us don't do that. I think we recognize, well, our, our freedom comes, is, is pretty high up there because without it, um, very other very few things can can be had outside of that we we might put like a relationship with our spouse or a relationship with our children above that and that would go that would lend to like maybe one of those moral dilemmas like if your loved one was dying from some disease and and you had to go to the pharmacy and they had the the cure but you didn't have the money to pay for it would you steal it right um yeah, at that point, you might say, well, my freedom is worth less than that person's life. And so for sure, yeah. I will I will take the chance of, of losing my freedom to save them. So again, that gets really weird. So morals, morals get really tricky. That's why I, I constantly encourage clients, don't think about morals so much as think about your values because your morals... Uh, sometimes those are very emotional based too, and and you know you shouldn't be making emotional based decisions anyway, and and um, they're not necessarily conforming to what the current like legal expectations and norms of our society are. And one way or another, you need to adapt, or you're going to sacrifice those freedoms. So it's up to you at that point. So it's kind of like your take on working with dark triad clients, and that if you can get the client to ask themselves based on the lifestyle that I want to live, is it in my best interest right now to act on this? Is right. it, is it worth my freedom? Right. Yeah. And, and for them, if they're more <clears throat> important then then they are, they are finding maybe some, some value in their importance as well. If I, maybe if I have sex with this person that gives me status, that gives me pride, that gives me, you know, but, but there's other avenues of accomplishing that such that it's not going to sacrifice your freedom. Those are the kind of lessons they need to learn at that point. Perfect. So, um, want to jump to one of your clips? Well, this next piece, I, this is important. I thought this kind of goes over definitions <clears throat> of pedophilia and also oh, that was like pedophilia, definitions too, that I think are really important. And then we'll jump into some of my clips. Sweet. So we'll start here. What is pedophilia? There is a difference between the general public term of pedophilia and the professional definition. The public usually associates He's pedophilia with someone who is sexually attracted <laughs> Looks to down a being below the legal age of the majority. However, the clinical term specifies the definition as sexual preference for children, usually of pre-pubertal or early pubertal age. And that for six months or more, that person has acted on these urges or suffers from distress as a result of having these feelings. The individual must also be at least 16 years of age and at least five years older than the juvenile involved to meet criteria for pedophilia. Pedophiles can be divided into two main categories, exclusive pedophiles and non-exclusive pedophiles. Exclusive pedophiles are only attracted to children, and non-exclusive pedophiles are attracted to children and adults. Exclusive pedophiles are sometimes referred to as true pedophiles. They are only attracted to children. 
pedophiles are usually attracted to a particular age range. If the child is younger than four years, it is called infantophilia, usually zero to three years on average. If the child is prepubertal or early pubertal, it is called pedophilia, 13 and younger on average. If the child is adolescent, it is called hebophilia, roughly 12 to 16 years. Even though there are differences between the sexual attraction to minors, only one term is mainly used by the media, the word pedophilia. Professionally, there's... Yeah, that's good enough. So the, I guess the basic thing there as we're looking at this is like... Um, in terms of accuracy, I think that's important. It's, but it's not just semantics. Like you want, really want to identify um, the age ranges um, for for attraction pieces because it's going to help you on a clinical side. But also for my clients, like my client, I had one client. Um, he's a very eccentric dude, um, but he he would not, you know, get on board with this pedophilia thing, which he, his his victim was um, in somewhere close to 17. So very much in the hebophile range. But when I said, once I kind of educated him on that, he was totally on board with it. He's like, Oh, okay. I guess I'm a hebophile. I'm like, well, that's, that's not what I was trying to get at dude, but yeah. Okay. I mean, whatever you say. So, I mean, that, that is, uh, not, not important. I think it is right. kind of important <clears throat> that we, that we keep the definitions solid and understand a little bit I about think that. Most people aren't that aren't in our field probably have never even heard those terms. Yeah. 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 Well, so this next piece, this is this is um, the, they kind of talk a little bit about female pedophiles, which I think is important because um, you know male versus female. I think it's looked at very differently, um, and it'll it'll kind of highlight why this is the case um, and why somebody might not really consider this to be a big deal if if it was a female mm. engaging in in these behaviors. So. Uh, let's hear this first part. This is from our old pal, uh, Matt Lauer. He's, he's kind of an expert on, uh, appropriate sexual relations. Yeah, he's pretty so, glib too. <laughs> 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 yeah. He's glib, Matt. <laughs> Freaking <laughs> Matt, Matt Lauer. Oh my goodness. So let me, let me cue this up here <clears throat> and. All right. Teachers, your first thought might be good. I hope you learned something. But the parents of one 14-year-old in Florida were not happy about what their son was learning from a teacher in his school. Her name was Deborah Lefebvre, and she's one in a string of young female teachers who've admitted having sex with underage male students. I don't believe that female pedophiles exist because um, women have a less uh, aggressive sex drive. Does society treat this differently? I mean, if this was a man doing this to a boy or a man doing this to a, a girl, um, would it be thought of in the same way? I mean, would the word relationship even be used? That's right. I mean, sometimes I get confused. You know, is it a crime story? Is it a love story? Or was it a, was it a consensual? <laughs> love story? Was it a no. <laughs> All of that seems to be, you know, fodder for, for discussion. We really don't know. I think female pedophiles exist because you have the classic stories of uh, high school teachers that are having an affair with boy students. 39-year-old Anne Knopf denied allegations that she had sex with her daughter's ex in the basement of her home while her husband and children... Damn, why is it always going to be a teacher? You, you would have maybe fantasies of you 
doing it with some hot soccer mom who was way older than you because you know if she's fully developed and you'd be like oh yeah i'd hit that females are generally not associated with pedophilia in the eyes of modern society women are seen as nurturing and caring and would never harm children if a man hugs a strange child people would generally think he is a pervert but if a woman hugs a strange child, people would think she is kind and even nurtures children that are not her own. There is a clear double standard when it comes to pedophilia between men and women. This double standard has allowed many offending female pedophiles to go undetected. Roughly 80% of the victims of female pedophiles are not believed. Furthermore, boys are less likely to report sexual abuse. The media mainly talks about female high school teachers when it comes to female pedophilia. However, high school Did teachers any of your teachers dress like that? With sure <laughs> are not pedophiles. If the child is in puberty, it is called habophilia. This means that most high school teachers who have sex with children are offending habophiles. So on that front, I mean, th th that intuitively is totally true, right? Like, I mean, if you if you were to ask any normal, like, I don't know what normal is, but <laughs> just a dude, you know, and, and you showed him some of the images of those teachers that were on there, like, and guys are weird about it. Like, guys guys react very differently about these things. Um, in 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 this, you know, sometimes maybe even the same night, based on the news stories, they might see a teacher who's you know attractive, and they might ask the question, "Well, where the hell was she when I was 16? That's always you know? a statement, isn't it? Right, right, yeah. very very similar. Um, but then if we have uh, you know, same age difference, um, you know, but the teacher is a male. Um, on all sides, everybody's like, man, what a creep piece of crap. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that. Yeah. And, um, so, so there is a bit of a double standard, isn't there? Yeah. And it, well, I think it's, be I mean, these are broad generalizations and broad categories. Sure. But I, I think that people will look at the teenage boy, the, you know, the after effect and they're going to look at it and the, the the trauma manifests differently and that the teenage boy might not be feeling the same in you know, maybe fear or the, the hesitation to get involved in relationships. Um, but it might instead give them maybe a cavalier attitude towards authority within a sexual relationship or, you know, kind of send them the wrong message about power and control when it comes to sex. And so mm -hmm. I, I think if, you know, if painting in broad brush strokes, people look at, you know, the, the young girl that gets sexually victimized by the male perpetrator is, you know, having the traditional symptoms of trauma, whereas the, the male is looked at as, you know, high-fiving with his friends and then is therefore excused mm -hmm. societally. And I, I think it's, I, I think that like people just need to maybe expand their understanding of some of the negative outcomes of, of sexual abuse and that it's, it doesn't always manifest in as like, you know, tears and fear it's uh comes out in other ways through like maybe screwed up understanding of again power and control and uh, well, well does that does that then does that then lend to this idea um of that guys 
the only first of all that only men are capable because you know only men are are capable of this but then in addition to that that there's hyper attention paid to men, right? Like, so, so if a female is being nurturing and caring and stuff like that, it's kind of like, I mean, here, here's what I'd say is since there have been teachers there, there have been teachers having sex with kids, right? Like, it's not like there's something in the water now. Mm -hmm. I'd say, um, it's probably more, um, we're paying more attention to it now. Um, it's come to the forefront because of some of these cases, but it's, it's always been happening. It has to have always been happening, but, but some of those behaviors that you would see from a female teacher might be, I, I guess just a little, um, not as, not as, uh, obvious, right? Like you just wouldn't see it because, that that's just how girls are kind of expect that nurturing, caring, loving stuff like that. Whereas if a dude act like that, um, it's looked at as weird. It's like the creepy. grooming, the grooming goes undetected. Right, 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 right. That's where I'm, I'm kind of wondering. There's a there's a part here on on how this um, how this turns into like how men are viewed about these things. And uh, this is really good. From uh, Bill Burr does a good job introducing this. So let's see what he has to say on them. I'm going to tell you something, man. You know what? I'm sick of pedophiles. <laughs> yeah. Sex offenders. Dude, they're on every channel. Everybody is doing something on sex offenders. You know, it's like, dude, I got it. There's people out there touching kids, you know? But it's not everybody. It's a very small portion of the population. So, you know, take it down a few because you're making it awkward out there. Dude, you can't say hi to kids anymore. I love kids. I love kids. I like making faces at them on the airplane, making them laugh. Now parents are like, is that sex offender? They say, making me feel like a freak, you know? I'm terrified of kids now. The continuous attention from the media uh, to pedophilia uh, that makes you uh, Suspicious, suspicious uh, when you see a man. So the number of male teachers in our primary schools has fallen to just one in eight. Does it matter? Well, there is increasing evidence that young children are not seeing enough male role models in schools. Some fear men are being frightened off. Yeah, I do think there is a, a different perception of men compared to women in public places, depending on how they look, if they're with or without children, they will be looked at in a different way than a single female sitting alone in a park, rather than if it was a male, might get a few funny looks. Some educational experts believe schools are too feminized nowadays. Methodical working and attentiveness have been encouraged at the expense of competition and leadership, the things boys respond best to. What do you think? I mean, do they have any merit with that argument? specifically what like that 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 guys are just afraid to enter workforces that are predominantly female or have access to children um because of how they're looked or guys now act differently around children as a result of uh, being viewed this way well i don't know because i like i was thinking about that for myself and i think i'm i'm so like hyper focused on it that like I remember when my nieces and nephews were first born, like almost making a point of going out of my way to like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want my in-laws to think that anything weird. And so I, I remember myself being like leery about, you know, my niece might want me to, you know, 
go upstairs and read a story to her or something. And it, it was always like, Hey, uh, point to another, Hey, you want to come with, there's three of us, you know, oh, you have a third. Yeah. Yeah. Have a third. <laughs> where exactly. To, where we used to work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Having a third. Yeah. So like I've, I've felt, I can speak for myself, like conscious of perception, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, I don't know. I mean, I don't even want, to put out that I don't want people to even have to like think about it or worry. And maybe mm-hmm. that's, maybe I'm too, you know, knee deep in this field and I'm getting. You know. So so what happens? Like you find a, you're in the grocery store shopping and uh, you're picking out some relish <laughs> and a little kid comes up behind you and pulls on your, on your, uh, on your, you know, and uh, on your, the back of your shirt and says, uh, I can't find my mommy. What do you, what do you do? Punch the kid and run? That- <laughs> no, front kick the kid and then run. It's like Spartan kick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This I'll, is yeah. Smith's. <laughs> yeah. Obviously I'd help him find his parents, but, but like, it, it would be on my mind though. Be like, man, I'm a stranger. I'm, I'd be worried that as I'm walking around with this kid, like, yeah. Oh God, if the parent, if the parents see me, I need to make sure that they know I'm trying to help the kids find their parents. I don't, I don't need some dude blasting me with a right hook as I'm trying to take little Johnny around the corner. Yeah, no, that would be okay. Is that paranoid? I mean, I don't know. No, I mean, I think it's, I think it's just being mindful of, of where the culture is. And, and I think of how men, you know, adult. Okay, what if one of your nieces were in the store and they got lost and you saw some dude um, walking down the aisle with her holding her hand? Immediately suspicious. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, um, but I think, I think you know, you can do that without having any sus- actual malice or suspicious behavior associated with what you're doing. You know what I mean? And I think take that in stride. Like I would, of course, never walk away from a kid, you know. Um, but I would say, like, sometimes I'll be driving and I'll see, I don't know, it's like raining out. And I'll see somebody, some little kid walking and I feel really bad for him. I'm like, nope, I just right, keep driving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sucks even though, you, kid. even though I would genuinely like say, oh, hey, do you want to ride? And I'd just give him a ride. But that would not, I feel like that'd be completely inappropriate. And it. I'd want the kid, if it was my kid, to say no and just deal with the heartache of walking through that store. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So a lot of people might ask, okay, well, what do you, what do you do for treatment of this? Um, and, um, there's, there's a part on this and we'll kind of segue this into the, the future of this. So this'll be, uh, probably our last clip here and then we'll wrap up. But, um, I wanted to get into this because people are very curious about this concept and, and what is it that you do working with these people? There is no cure for pedophilia. You can't change the deviant sexual preference. Dr. Karine What you can do is two things. One, you can intervene at the level of the sex drive. Lupron. So there are pharmacological agents that really decrease the libido of the person. So that means you stop their sexual activity completely also called chemical castration. That's one option, but this type of treatment has many harmful side effects. Uh, You can think about osteoporosis, I mean, serious osteoporosis, depression, feminization. So in the long term, this type of treatment is not an option. 
the second possibility is psychological treatment. That means you work on uh, the psychological problems that actually make the person act out their pedophilic interests. So you can think about maybe the person has the idea that it's okay uh, to have sex with children, uh, that children um, are not harmed oh, by it. Look at that, that triangle. They actually mm, what does that look like? Oh, let's go ahead and stop. Thoughts, emotions, behaviors. What modality would that be? That looks a lot like octopus therapy. Okay, yeah. continuing. Okay. It's a kind of sex education. <laughs> well, these types of... Whoa! Oh, it's what? CBT! No oh, no! Wow, weird. That is weird. Reduced in treatment. Also, a lot of pedophiles... That's a horrible handwriting. Damn, son. ...into what their behavior does to the children. So I'm talking here, of course, about What's the dental plans in other countries, they by the care. way? They Holy hell, they dude. They don't care about teeth, bro. who act on their sexual preference. These types of treatments are necessary and are generally quite effective in reducing the risk of a pedophile, again, of using children. Oh, those CBTs effective? Weird. I'm just kidding. She was a lovely lady, by the way. Yeah. Speaking truth. Okay. The future of pedophilia. This is kind of a cool part, and then we'll wrap here. I don't think that pedophilia will become accepted because, uh, like I said, the public associate pedophilia with active sexual relationships between adults and children and condemn this. So I don't think it will be accepted. Yes, I think ultimately pedophilia will, will be accepted. Um, maybe it'll take, you know, a hundred more years. Uh, you know, it's just like homosexuality in <laughs> the DSM-2. I, uh, I don't think it's a, just it's like it. not. Homosexuality was... Uh, We've got an episode on that, was, by the way. Yeah. yeah. It's like listed as a mental disorder. Well, it's not anymore. And I think, yeah, it can happen. That feels like a really illogical approach to I the don't argument. Like that part, like homosexuality was in the was in the DSM four, and be, as a result of that, like then all of a sudden, but like homosexual behavior by nature is not illegal, right? You know or what I mean? Harmful or, or, or harmful yeah, or anything? Yeah, that, yeah. That's what that, I don't like. That okay, but <laughs> continue. We can consider this sexual preference as a natural variation. And of course, we still will need to make sure that a pedophile doesn't act on those sexual preferences. But I think the, the fact that the person has a preference, I think we will arrive at a point in time where that's just a given, considered a given. At one hand, I think that pedophilia will never be accepted. That's a great name. <laughs> Dick Swab? <laughs> Professor Dick Swab? Damn it. Neurologist? Yeah. That poor so sap. Yeah. Focusing on uh, sexual orientation towards children um, can keep their impulses in such a way that they don't damage children. Man, can you imagine the terror that guy got as a kid? He had, when no he, was, as a, he had no choice but to become an academic. Man. I know, yeah. I know. Well, so what do you think about that? Like, I, I, um, 
I, I think what she was saying, I think is already kind of a given in our field. Like, yes, I understand it's a preference that you have. I mean, but I'm not going to acknowledge that as a valid preference. I mean, pr- provide particularly if you, and I, and I don't want to acknowledge it like it's an orientation or anything like that on par with something like homosexuality. I just don't, I mean, to me, validating it to that degree normalizes it in a way that almost endorses and or condones it. And then it's almost like, well, but for these weird laws we have, you could do whatever you want. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a, a wise approach um, because yeah, I, I, I don't think any type of endorsement or condoning of that behavior is very, is very like, and that's not really a therapist's job to affirm that anyway, like validate that. Like I, I can validate and affirm that. Yes, this person experiences these attractions towards this, but I'm not, I'm not doing that as, Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's a totally uh, uh, valid way of living your life or anything like that. That's not, that's not Man. my obligation. You know what I mean? Right. And you know, like it's almost I don't know. It's like that almost sounded prescriptive rather than descriptive. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think it's okay to acknowledge. Cause like I I've had dudes that are pedophiles that have like broken down crying in my office, cursing that they have this attraction. They didn't choose it. They don't want it. They hate that they have it. They want more than anything to get rid of it. They, and then, you know, then and they, they hate themselves. They think they're a loser. They think they're garbage. They think they're a monster. And so as a therapist, that's a, that's a complex thing to deal with. And mm-hmm. so I'll affirm, this is what I will affirm. I'll affirm that they, in fact, didn't choose to make, you know, their lives exponentially harder by being attracted to kids and thereby, you know, putting themselves into this weird conundrum to where. Sure. And they didn't choose that. I'll affirm that. And then my job's to help them get their feet back underneath them, get them uh, feeling good about themselves, but not, but not to affirm that as an endorsement of acting on it. It's Mm -hmm. it, it has to be, it's non-negotiable. There is, there is no acting on it. That's it's, it's unfortunate Mm -hmm. that they have that arousal Mm -hmm. that sucks. That would be tough. And it's, it's the cards they're dealt. They, they might have a, they're going to have a hell of a time changing it, but it's like, we have to be able to build these clients up to the point that they develop a life that they love enough to not act on something as profoundly strong as a sexual impulse. Right. And I think even so obviously we wouldn't endorse any manifestation of the behavior that would result in them like having sexual relations with a child. Absolutely right? not. But, but I also think it's important to not have any endorsement of like pseudo manifestations either, you know, like, virtual reality people have talked about that and i'm like well i've been on that kick for a while i i don't know how i don't know how intelligent that is because maybe maybe um you you have a and and obviously there's no statistics and i don't know if i want to find out how do you even research that dude? right so you have a, a group of guys who are virtually watching this or there's animated characters that are generated you know through ai or or whatever that look very real um and they're watching it for purposes there's be one reason one reason alone why they would watch that and that's masturbatory like reinforcement right that's why they're watching it um that to me sounds like pseudo manifestation of the behavior behaviors like you're still kind of skirting the edge and then i would wonder 
Well, then how much does that, you know, scratch that itch that then moves them into the actualized behaviors where they're actually, you know, uh, there's there's contact. And if anybody would be part of that, how on earth would you get there? Like how on earth could you could you endorse that behavior? So I think, like you said, a hard line has to be drawn because if not, then then where do you go from there? You know, where does the line be drawn? So but according to this, one thing I would say is. Um, I agree with that idea that your your sexual arousal and your sexual attraction um, doesn't change over time. It expands. So, yes, I, I can acknowledge that, I, I don't know, roughly 13 years old, I was a, attracted to other 13-year-olds. But through reinforcement as I was growing up, um, peer reinforcement, I found other girls attractive, you know. And now, like, I mean, can you can, – I mean, we're both in our 40s. Can you imagine – like hooking up with a 19 year old, you know what I mean? Like it's not even appealing, you know, for a variety of other reasons other than what they look like that, that almost has nothing to do with it. Right. Right. Um, but they wouldn't even get my Ninja Turtles references, you know? Well, yeah. 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 And and don't get me wrong. Like it, it doesn't mean that I can't look at an 18, 19, 25 year old and acknowledge that they are attractive, but that doesn't mean now I want to move into, Oh, I need to try to set up a sexual relationship with them. Like that that's where it starts to become, I mean, because because there's a lot of other um real life and social implications that come along with that. And, and not to mention a violation of our values too. So that's where I, I think that the the message here through CBT, you know, you can really work on helping clients get to the point where they can expand their arousal and their sexual interests and just start becoming more interested in adult oriented sexual activities with right. peers, their same age, you know, for whatever reason, they were just never reinforced on that level, boost their social skills, help them get comfortable talking to people their own age. All yeah. That. yeah. Because I would never, it's my obligation at times to make sure like I would never act in, in, in a way that would be in the be- worst interest for my clients. Right. And no matter what they say, if I affirm that behavior, I- I'm now, acting in their best interest or their worst interest because I'm I'm endorsing and affirming and validating a behavior that will eventually lead to the loss of their freedom, which is not good for any of our clients. That's the great way of looking at it. Right. And and you can get into this debate of, well, we should change none of that's ever going to happen. We're never going to change laws about this. Nobody's ever going to tell me a politician that's going to get on board with that. Like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna start lowering the age of of consent in there. It's never going to happen. Like can you ever see that? Where's Definitely Ron, not in our lifetime. Where's Ron Book at? <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Come so, out of the woodwork. so I, I think for clinicians that are working with this, yes, like you said, affirm the fact that they are experiencing this. You don't want to invalidate that they aren't that they, they do have these arousal patterns. You want to validate that. Um, that it's not necessarily their choice and that they may not necessarily want that in their lives, but also work towards the idea that, you know, uh, there's not much traction beyond that validation that you can give them and working on new healthy relationships that are adult oriented and non-harmful is probably our best route and combating the other stuff with CBT, not octopus therapy, like we said earlier. So <laughs> touche. That's a good enough place to end, I isn't it? A great yeah, yeah. And then uh and then provided that I don't die, we should be ready to rock yeah. and roll. Hey Gorilla Social Workers wish Mr. Warren here luck on his Iron Man. 140.6. What yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then uh uh 26 point mile 
26.2 mile run. So you're, you're way over 200 pounds and you're doing all yeah. that. That's, yeah. Well, not way over. I'm like, well, no, you, you weigh yeah. over, not oh, way yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, we'll see you guys maybe on the <laughs> yeah. next episode. <laughs> And that wraps up another eye-opening episode of the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. Thanks for joining us on this wild ride through the complexities of pedophilia hysteria. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll tackle another hot-button issue with our signature blend of humor and insight. But hey, before we go, folks, we have one humble request from you. If you've managed to survive our banter and actually enjoy our podcast, which, let's be honest, it's quite a feat, we'd be eternally grateful if you could do us a solid subscribe to the gorilla social Work podcast and share it with that one friend who owes you money and probably needs some therapy so spread the word share the laughs let's build a community of twisted minds together you can find us on apple Podcasts, spotify amazon music youtube or wherever you get your earfuls of knowledge because remember folks misery loves company and we're here to provide that company we'd like to stay in chat longer but we're lying good night